Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. The podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. Oh, geez. Oh, my God. Okay. Speaking of accents, I'm so sorry. I just immediately <laughs> oh have my, to tell you this. Oh, geez. Oh, God. So, oh, uh, like a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was having dinner with friends over at their house, and we went down a rabbit hole on YouTube videos catching Elizabeth Holmes changing in and out of her voice accent oh, her no. put on voice we watched it for like half What's an hour her? oh oh oh! that elizabeth holmes yeah yes. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Not, yeah. Elizabeth smart. not elizabeth smart <laughs> not elizabeth, elizabeth smart i was picturing an actress a d- totally wrong thing katie was holmes like, is she bad so at accent? Fun. you were picturing oh, katie yeah. holmes she so. is a crazy bonkers lady i love Piece it of work. so much she's banana town work Anyway, sorry to derail the episode immediately. Who are we? Speaking of other pieces of work, I'm yeah. Kenyon. <laughs> I'm Lucy. And I'm Amanda. <laughs> and now you can take a BuzzFeed quiz to figure out which gal you are. Thank you I got to whichever. Me. I got me too. So I got me too. <laughs> so many my, of my friends are getting Kenyon. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> My husband. I clearly got surround myself with very similar types of people. <laughs> <laughs> my mom got Lucy, though. All of my awesome. other close friends got me. <laughs> Classic. Yeah, cat people. I yeah. love it. Yeah, so Google that. Check it out. Thank you to the Wine Coven member that created that. It was a lovely surprise for us. Mm-hmm. So amazing. Um. And now for this episode, we have a very special gals pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, we felt like after um, Australian serial killers, it was time to do a more lighthearted mm-hmm. yeah. episode, mm-hmm. a little palate cleanser. And I think um, this had been suggested before. And yes, we're just this, like, fucking, it was time. And a case got suggested with this too, which I covered, and it is incredible. I cannot wait. Yes, this was suggested by a listener who um, would like to remain anonymous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so that is what's happening. So the topic is Beyond Stupid Historical Crimes. Yeah. <laughs> I have been waiting. I feel like it's been decades since we've done a Beyond Stupid. It was yeah. so it's beyond been a time. while. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is beyond time to have some libations. So, Indeed. What is our wine crime pairing for Beyond Stupid Historical Crimes? Well, I felt like this would be a nice historical... Well, since my case is definitely from, like, the way, way, way back in time machine. <laughs> um, so we are sipping Apothic Sparkling Red. Ooh, sparkling Red. Yeah, this is a fun one. Uh, first of all, I freaking love the entire line of Apothic wines. Yeah. They are so mm-hmm. affordable and they are so delicious. Honestly, the straight up Apothic Red blend is a staple on my bar. Yeah, so when I saw the Sparkling Red in the cooler at Total Wine Bloomington, 
So you didn't just take a bottle of apothic red blend and put it in your soda stream no. and then oh oh that's that a bad is, idea. That is how I broke my last soda stream. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, <laughs> no, I did not do that. Uh, but I was super pumped when I saw this because it is it, this is a limited edition and I personally love sparkling reds and lambruscos. So I wanted to try this so badly. And this bottle boasts bright red fruits with a crisp, dry finish. That's that sparkling effervescence doing its job, baby. It is a California red blend. And as we've discussed before, wineries do not have to list the varietals in a bottle on blends, which is kind of annoying, Mm. but it is what it is. Um, Because this is coming out of California, I think it's safe to assume that this will be a classic California trio of Cabernet, Pinot Noir, and Zinfandel, which would Mm. explain it's like fruit forward tasting notes and medium body. Mm. I'm excited for this one. I know. And it is a popper, but it's the kind of popper that comes into champagne cork. So you do not need a nice pop wine key, though I do suggest you grab one at our online store, wineandcrimepodcast.bigcartel.com. And we also have a bunch of new merch. Yeah, we on yeah. our online store. A lot of new stuff. We new just updated bags. our coasters and they look yeah, we did. phenomenal. I'm using them yeah. right now. They look the so new good. coasters are goals. I'm They're so glossy excited. and amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so go check out all the new merch. Get stuff for the holidays. Enjoy. Heck yes. So uh, while you're shopping, shall we start popping? Let's do it. I'm ready. Here we go. Time to struggle as we twist. Okay, not gonna spill, not gonna spill, not gonna spill. Don't lose an eye. Oh! Oh. (laughs) Yeah, uh, pro tip. Speaking of not losing an eye, pro tip. When you open a sparkling wine bottle, grab like a dish towel. Yeah. Yeah. And put that over it so that even if the, the cork wants to fly, the dish towel is like just strong enough to keep it from hitting anybody in the face. And I literally it, almost lost my good eye this weekend yeah. because a friend did not do that and it grazed my outrageously fake eyelashes. Oh, oh my guys. god. Honey, yeah. no. Uh also mm-hmm. perk of the dish towel when it inevitably overflows because I can't open a bottle of sparkling alcohol without it going everywhere. You already have mm. a towel to clean it up. Okay, I there have a go. trick for that. So when you're opening a sparkling bottle, use your, obviously use your tea towel, your dish towel, and then grip, uh, like half of your hand should be on the cork. Half should be kind of like hugging the neck of the bottle. And then don't use that hand to pull the bottle out. Put the other hand on the bottom of the bottle and rotate the bottom of the bottle and pull gently. Yeah. You're supposed to spin the bottle, not the cork. And that will help ease the cork out in such a way that it's not letting in a rush of oxygen, mm-hmm. which is what causes that overbubbling. Okay. Got it. Right. So it takes a, a minute. Tip. It takes a minute to perfect, but like that's how you want to do it with the least mess. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, cheers, babies. That cheers. Cheers. Oh, this wine is so pretty. It's like a ruby red with just these gorgeous mm. bubbles going through it. Like mm. I am obsessed with mm. this. Mm. So pretty. All right. As we sip, Lucy, what is our background and maybe psych for beyond stupid historical crimes? Well, 
it's actually entirely psych. Yay! <laughs> oh, nice. I was going to just do some shallow dives of like stupid cases that the two of you weren't covering, but I decided to start by researching like trends in intelligence throughout human history. Why and I got were people so dumb before the age of science. Oh, we'll get yeah. We'll get to it. <laughs> oh, why I do love people it. still deny climate change? Uh-huh. That yeah. sent, that sent me down a rabbit hole. So I'm it's sure. entirely psych now. Okay, nice. so the evolution of hominid intelligence and hominids are great apes, basically. Mm. Grapes. 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 <laughs> mm-hmm. And that includes humans, obviously. We're grapes. Uh, the evolution of hominid, hominid intelligence can be traced over the course of the past one or 10 million years. Hell yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just like any other flavor of evolution, intelligence has changed and evolved over time because of environmental factors that pushed us to adapt in order to survive. So I think it's I think sometimes people can just, we can think really fucking highly of ourselves, but it's important to keep in mind that like our brains aren't evolving towards some like purposeful, the only reason we're evolving is so that we can survive in our current environments. We're not, we're just, we're just rolling with the punches. We're just, we're not dealing with what life deals us. We're not evolving to come like better in any ways. Mm-hmm. Um, it's survival, baby. Yeah, so there's that. So that's considering the course of human history, but what about how smart we are compared to people in, say, like the Middle Ages instead of like great apes? Right. Well, we bathe more and we don't cut our hair in those weird monk haircuts. So. Oh my God, but I love the medieval lady curls where like everybody kind of looks like George Washington. Okay, yeah. have either of you <laughs> watched The King on Netflix? No. no, I'm so excited though. Oh, I love him. It oh, I have such strong feelings for Henry V all of a sudden. Honey. Lustful mm-hmm. feelings. Yeah, Timothy Chalamet could get it. And just I just pray that he how old is he? He's not an actual teenager, is he? Uh, and it's like, am not. I going to jail? <laughs> Should we Google I'm it? I'm Googling quick? it right now. Google we it. might have to cut this. <laughs> Timothy Chalamet age. <laughs> Please, God, be at least 24. 23! He could oh, get it. He okay. could get it. It would, it would be a little bit weird, but he could still get it. Mm-hmm. He's really cute. Okay. So this is from a live science article titled, Are Humans Getting Smarter or Dumber? Oh, God. There's <laughs> no way to know. Turns out it's debatable. It's a fucking Great. coin toss. Here we go. So first of all, it's important to note that the measures of quote-unquote intelligence are very much dependent on one's environment. For example, being smart as a hunter on the African savanna is much different than being smart as a Wall Street broker. Right. So that mm-hmm. said, the modern world has plenty of evidence to suggest that we are becoming smarter. So we've got iPhones, vaccines, vaccinate your fucking kids, uh, mm-hmm. Bravo TV, which could be evidence to the contrary, actually, depending on who you're asking. Um, so this is a quote from the article. Beyond these technological advances is uh, another hint that humans are getting smarter. It's called the Flynn effect, named after intelligence researcher James Flynn, an emeritus professor of the University of Otago in New Zealand. Mm. Since IQ, or intelligence quotient, 
tests, so IQ tests, have been revised and standardized several times in the past 100 years to see the Flynn effect. Scientists have their volunteers take tests designed for previous generations. Flynn and his colleagues have found that all around the world, the new generations score higher on the old tests that the original test takers did. We are increasing in intelligence and, you know, or as in terms of IQ with regards to these tests that were written like a generation previous. Mm -hmm. So these tests are not without their problems. And IQ, of course, is pretty... Like IQ tests in general are pretty controversial. Yeah, but we gotta we gotta try to measure somehow. So right. every measure is flawed, and this is what we've got right now. Right, we'll, exactly we'll what Lucy it. said before: <laughs> how like smart for a Wall Street broker versus smart for like an African nomadic hunter are two mm-hmm. entirely different things. And IQ tests often do not calculate for those kinds of different like environmental variants. Mm-hmm. So that's what's frustrating about them. Yeah, we'll get to it. So. Uh, the increases that they detected are no small matter either. They vary by geography, but they tend to be around three extra IQ points per decade. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. That is a lot. Wow. Yeah. So, but there are several proposed reasons for higher IQ over time. Firstly, our environments have been improving. And since IQ is part heritable, so like inherited, and part environmental, and also I saw, I, saw a factoid that scientists think that it's like 50-50. Weird. Mm. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Okay, so since it's part heritable and part environmental, it makes a big difference when, for example, a child is raised in a low-stress environment with better nutrition, uh, Mm -hmm. better access to education, and more opportunities to learn and engage. Uh, another yeah. another difference between modern humans and previous peeps is that we frame our understanding <laughs> of the world much differently. I, this is me writing. This is not a quote from the article at this point. Right. <laughs> it was a scientific article. Scientific um, time for you peeps. to write a scientific article because this sounds amazing. <laughs> previous peeps. Um, okay, is that we frame our understanding of the world much differently. Now we are taught to think more abstractly. So we would be, for example, more likely to correlate a dog and a rabbit because they're both mammals, whereas mm-hmm. someone from the Middle Ages might not view them with any similarities at all. Oh, we'll get to rabbits in the Middle Ages. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. We um, literally will. <laughs> so concepts like this, they can have a huge effect on the results of an IQ test. So those are some of the things that point us point to us getting smarter. And on the flip side... Some researchers say that we're actually getting stupider. And I did Mm. Google, and stupider is a word. I was on the fence about that. And I'm going to quote the article again here because I am too stupider to paraphrase it. (laughs) (laughs) Quote, in November 2012, Stanford University School of Medicine researcher Gerald Crabtree published two papers in the journal Trends in Genetics suggesting that humanity's intelligence peaked some somewhere between 2,000 and 6,000 years ago. Love it's it. It's been all downhill since then. I yeah. mean, Trump would be proof of this. Well, mm. yeah. So here's his proof. Crabtree brace, based this assertion on genetics. He says that about 2,000 to 5,000 genes control what we call human intelligence. And at the rate at which genetic mutations accumulate... 
He calculated that within the last 3,000 years, all of humanity has sustained at least two mutations harmful to these intellect-determining genes and will sustain a couple more in another 3,000 years. Not every mutation will cause harm uh, because genes come in pairs and some weaknesses caused by mutation can be covered covered by the healthy half of the pair. Um, Hmm. But the calculation does suggest that intelligence is more fragile than it seems. Furthermore, but wouldn't there presumably also be positive mutations or all or or are the mutations always negative? I mean, he must have taken that into account. I'm I, I'm yeah. not also I'm also not reading to you the, the entire article. article. Right. There was a what? lot about his research that was <laughs> How could you? It was a little <laughs> over my head cuz once again I'm too stupider. <laughs> Um, Furthermore, he argued intelligence isn't as evolutionarily important to humans today as it was when the species was uh, hunter-gatherers. So thousands of years ago... We don't have to survive in the same conditions that we did then. Exactly. Yeah. Thousands of years ago, failing to grasp the aerodynamics of throwing a spear when a lion was coming at you meant that you were toast. Um, Right. So you couldn't pass along those genes to your offspring, and modern man rarely faces such life-or-death tests. Tests of wits. Yeah, fucking Darwinism yeah. is over. Dummies yeah. survive so much easier now. Yep. <laughs> and one one quick tour of Tinder will really, oh God, really prove this theory. Oh I wouldn't have made it. I'm fucking diabetic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like blind. I can't see yeah. without I my glasses. I can't see. We'd be I so have Norwegian fucked. ancestry and I'm allergic to whitefish. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't You're supposed to yeah. live. You're, You're definitely mutated. mutated. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, another theory holds that humanity's genetic capacity for intelligence is in decline because of a phenomenon called dysgenic mating. Mating. Hmm. Since the mid 1800s, hmm. IQ and reproduction have been negatively correlated, studies have found. So this is not me talking. This is science. So okay. the article says... So, to, so one article, and I'm sure there are counter theories. Continue. Mm-hmm. To put it bluntly, people who are more intelligent have fewer babies. Because intelligence is part genetic, some researchers argue that if anything, IQs should be dropping because of that correlation. But instead, hmm. scores... Yeah. But instead, scores are going up, creating a paradox for the dysgenic mating theory. Um, I have some quibbles with this theory. I feel like it is not taking into account like legitimate cultural and religious differences that have nothing to do with IQ. But well, mm-hmm. once again, this is a very small part of a very long article. So right, you're right, right. They right. do have counter theories. They do have other. They do factor in other things like that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, all things considered, if you're measuring human intelligence. Mm-hmm. It's it has to be close to or impossible to get an accurate, overarching, reliable yeah, it's data be because very of the there's so many fucking factors. Yeah, I and would I would agree that probably education and and number of babies are negatively correlated. correlated. At least in the Western world, I think that that has been. If for no other reason than you can't fucking afford kids if you right. went to college. Right. Yeah. Student loans States. or babies, it's yeah. tough to have both. You you have yeah. to pick one. And intelligence right. and education are 
correlated to a degree as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is this uh, this the, they're they're drawing this from statistics. Um. Okay, so these researchers have started testing intelligence not with IQ tests, but with reaction times. Because as we noted before, there are lots of problems with the IQ test. Oh my God. mm -hmm. Um, Quick anecdote about reaction times. (laughs) (laughs) So when I was 16 and getting my driver's license, my dad... My dad, three years prior, had had a surgery to amputate his right foot below the knee. So, like, more than halfway up to his knee was a false foot, was a prosthetic foot. And for one of the things in our driver's ed training, there was, like, this big, like, field day for driver's ed where there are all these different, like, obstacle courses and challenges and you go with your parent and blah, blah, blah. So my dad takes me to this thing and we're, like, going through all the different little challenges of the thing and we get to a reaction time challenge. (laughs) And cocky me, basically what this was, was like a, a piece of wood with a, with a, like a red light and a green light on it and then a gas and a brake pedal. And the green light would be on and you'd have your foot on the gas. And then when the red light came on, you'd have to really quickly move your foot from gas to brake and then it would measure your reaction time. <laughs> and we approached this thing and I'm like, okay, listen, you one-footed old bastard. I'm going to fucking smoke you in this. And he's like, hell no, I'm going to kick your ass, blah, blah, blah. And we're like goofy fighting back and forth on who's going to win. And he (laughs) smoked me with his prosthetic foot. Like, (laughs) took me to town with his (laughs) foot. I was, like, so ashamed. I thought you were going to tell the story of your first behind the wheel. Oh, that too. My first behind the wheel, I literally hit a deer. I had driven, like, 20 (laughs) feet. The deer hit you. And a deer jumped out of the woods and did T-bone the vehicle. And the, the driver's ed teacher was like, well, that's never happened before. And like gets out, like watches this deer like limp away. I'm crying. He's like, he's like popping the bumper back onto the back of the car. Cause it like hooked the bumper and like ripped it off, did a barrel roll and then like limped into the woods where it like definitely oh, died. Like no. I'm certain it died. And I'm like, I'm just standing in the street crying. And the guy's like, it's fine. Let's go practice parallel parking. So he finished our fucking training. And then like three weeks later, I had my second behind the wheel training and I get in, it's a different instructor. He like lifts a page on his fucking clipboard and goes, Oh, you're the deer girl. We've heard all about you. (laughs) It's like, God damn it. All right. Great. So reaction time, not your strongest suit. We've apparently not been established. <laughs> and yet Amanda does all the driving on our tours. I'm a good fucking driver. Uh, okay. <laughs> Let's <laughs> we're moving. I'd on. argue that even though Kenyon has the bad eye, Lucy might be the worst driver of the three of us. <laughs> what the fuck? Nuh-uh. What's your proof? Okay. <laughs> watching I'll, being being in the backseat while you've driven and tried to follow directions at the same time <laughs> all three no, of us have I, our own issues with driving it's kind of a problem <laughs> i can't drive at night if that's what you're referring to but that goes back to my eyesight which makes me think that i would never have had a chance to pass on my genes to my offspring all of us it's would true. have died for a multitude of reasons, including reaction times. Okay, yep. back to reaction times. So with <laughs> reaction times, it's more representative of your ability to engage in basic cognitive processing, and it's less sensitive to cultural and environmental influences. And I should point out at this point, 
that there were a few studies done in this manner in the 19th century, and the results were used to support theories about eugenics. So Mm -hmm. these types of studies are not without their problems, uh, obviously, and I'm not going to get too much more into that here for our purposes today. So we're going to address that that's a thing, and we're going to move on, just Mm -hmm. just so you know. Um, Don't support eugenics. Next. Yeah. So researchers have been able to show that these reaction time test results have gotten slower since the 1880s when, like, the first reaction tests were done. Um, Like, a lot, a lot slower. So, quote, we found a very, very robust trend with time toward slowing speeds of reaction. Oh, great. Um, This researcher Woodley (laughs) says, which is consistent with the idea that the more stable, the more culturally neutral, the more genetically influenced components of intelligence have been declining rather than increasing. So, like, we're getting comfortable, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Uh Especially with technology to just, like, allow us to be comfortable despite all kinds of you know, natural setbacks. Oh, yeah. I was, like, full-on proud of myself for remembering one phone number the other right? day. Right? I, I couldn't. I can barely remember my own. Yeah. But um, I've had the same one since I was 16. Yeah. That's an issue. So what this <laughs> suggests is that even as IQ scores rise with education and health, humanity's capacity to get smarter is shrinking, which I think makes sense. So given all of this information that we have regarding IQ and reaction times and the evolution of intelligence, I think, like I said before, it's really hard to accurately identify trends, let alone the reasons for them. Because really, if you consider the whole scope of human evolution, we've only recently become smart enough to somewhat evaluate ourselves in a scientific matter anyway. True. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's safe to say that, all things considered, we are not that much smarter than other primates, than the grapes. Definitely nope. not. They so, use tools. You see that dog drive that. that car in Florida? Oh, we'll get to it. <laughs> <laughs> so many people sent that in for Gap. Uh, like, don't you worry. Oh that's coming. Of course they did. I'm not surprised. Okay, so <laughs> last but not least, I'm going to leave you with some fun facts about IQ. Um, most people have average intelligence, which kind of makes sense, but like way most people The um, Mm -hmm. IQ graphs show like a classic bell curve with 100 being perfectly average. And there's a photo that will be on the blog for you. But it's like the vast majority of people are really dead set in the middle average. Mm. Um, People with a higher IQ tend to live longer and not because there are lions chasing them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Statistically, IQ is associated with career success and wealth, but... Shocker of all shockers, not necessarily uh, associated with happiness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Neither is career success nor wealth. Nope. <laughs> I would say right. associated with happiness necessarily. Um, brain, brain speaking, <laughs> it's not really possible what? to become smarter, clearly. Mm. Um, inte- <laughs> intelligence peaks in your mid-20s. It declines with age, but also if you're a smart child, then you're more likely to retain your intelligence when you're older. Uh-oh. Mine is definitely <laughs> declining rapidly. I look it, through, like, books that I owned in college, and, like, I used to, like, write notes in the margins of books that were, like, insights 
whatever, like theory, like just smart shit. And Uh now I can't even talk about it without sounding like an idiot. Yeah. (laughs) Let alone do it. I was way smarter in college than I am now. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's my segment. We're all stupid. Uh, Fuck it. Let's watch Bravo. (laughs) Yes. Yes. All right. Well done. Thanks. I like the direction that you went in. Mm -hmm. Um, Me too. Should we hear a quick word from our sponsors? Yeah. Yes, please. If you have been listening to this show, you have definitely heard us talk about FrameBridge. They make it easy and affordable to frame your favorite things from art prints and posters to all your best photos, including the ones on your phone. You heard that right. Yes. With the holidays fast approaching, FrameBridge is also the perfect way to give ridiculously easy and thoughtful gifts. In just minutes, you can turn a photo from your phone into one of your best gifts ever. And here is how. Go to framebridge.com and upload your photo. Preview your item online in a variety of frame styles or select one of their best-selling designs. They have so many cute frames. Mm -hmm. The expert team at the FrameBridge factory will custom frame your item and deliver the finished piece straight to you or anyone on your list. A handmade, personalized gift from FrameBridge starts at just $39 and all shipping is free. I can't. All of it. It's too good. It's so good. Plus, our listeners will get 15% off their first order at FrameBridge.com when they use our code GALS. Mm -hmm. I love FrameBridge. Everyone who follows me on social media has seen my gallery wall. (laughs) Like, 90% of that is FrameBridge. And I really love, like, picking my favorite Instagram photos and getting them FrameBridged. I like seeing them all over my house. We use FrameBridge as a verb. We literally just did. (laughs) It's the best. So become a gift-giving legend by using FrameBridge to give high-quality, one-of-a-kind gifts that you can order in minutes. Go to FrameBridge.com and use promo code GALS, and you'll save an additional 15% off your first order. Again, just go to FrameBridge.com, promo code GALS, and one more time for the folks in the back, FrameBridge.com, promo code GALS. Treat your walls. Treat them. Imagine if you could use one program for all of your health, self-care, treat yourself needs. No more hunting for like training apps or workouts, calorie trackers. I hate those. Mm -hmm. Meal plans, can't do it. Mm -mm. And you could add a goal specialist and an entire community of members to support you, keep you motivated. It's literally like a workout magic robot healing energy bomb all on your one. phone. All in one place. Yeah. We love Noom. Noom is based in psychology. It teaches you why you do the things that you do and arms you with the tools to break those bad habits and replace them with better ones. It doesn't make you feel bad about the decisions that you make. Mm-hmm. And that goal specialist really helps you stay on track. You use Noom for just a couple of weeks. And yep. if you're committed to it, you can start seeing a difference. You can feel better in your clothes. You Ugh. feel better about going out with your friends. And it doesn't mean only having, like, water and carrot sticks. Because I refuse. I won't do that. No, it's not sustainable. I don't even like carrots. No, not even with ranch. <laughs> and Noom has one of the biggest and most accurate food databases available that lets you track meal habits, visualize portion sizes, and see calorie density at a glance. That's one big thing that I learned about Noom. It's not about the number of calories in a given dish. It's the density. Mm. So they have like green, yellow, red foods. They encourage the green, moderate the yellow, Mm -hmm. try to, you know, 
not get indulge in the Extra red. Extra moderate the red. <laughs> exactly. But it, again, it doesn't make you feel bad. It teaches you. It's it, it, it just helps you form sustainable, lasting habits. I love it. It's amazing. And you don't have to change it all in one day. Small steps make big progress. Sign up for your trial today at Noom. That's N-O-O-M dot com forward slash gals. What do you have to lose? Visit Noom.com forward slash gals to start your trial today. Again, that's Noom.com forward slash gals, the last weight loss program you'll ever need. All right. My case. If most people fall in the middle of that bell curve of average intelligence, my perpetrators uh, for this case fall way down below. (laughs) Yes. Well, hopefully they are beyond stupid. In 1925, Ruth Brown Snyder was a 30-year-old housewife living in Queens, New York. Yes. Oh, my God. Al Lessa. Uh, uh. (laughs) Story Uh, of my life. (laughs) With her husband, Al Bert. Oh, God. I got so excited. (laughs) Albert. Uh, who was an art editor at Motorboat Magazine. <laughs> yes, that motorboatin' son of a bitch. <laughs> that motorboatin' son of a bitch. What a niche uh, porn. I love it. <laughs> and their nine-year-old daughter, Lorraine. And while this may sound idyllic, Ruth and Albert's <laughs> marriage was not a happy one. Mm. Things had turned sour pretty much immediately after their wedding. When they moved into their first home together, Albert insisted on prominently displaying a framed photograph of his ex fiance a woman named Jessie Guichard, who had died 10 years earlier. Oh, yikes. Uh, you should okay. probably get over it. It's like in their bedroom right above the bed. <laughs> An oil painting. <laughs> really prominently would, displayed. I would be that extra. If I get married, I'm going to leave it in the will that my husband, my late, or my, no, my widow will have to have Widower. an oil painting of yep. me above the in the fireplace for all of the rest <laughs> in of the his great life. hall you and burke yep yep me and burke <laughs> i feel like this um, happened in 90 day fiance i know i keep bringing it up but i've been watching it nonstop. <laughs> everything everything circles back it does um albert later purchased a motorboat of his own that motorboat <laughs> and son of a bitch <laughs> Which he named after his dead fiance, Jesse. Okay, if I were Ruth, I'd be like, I get it, but also fuck off. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, you have to bury your grief for you the gotta sake let it of, go. you know, your current wife. Well, <laughs> at a certain point, Ruth had to bury her husband, and we oh, will get to it. I no, mean, Ruth. he's clearly um, deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> one, mo- one more tidbit. Albert would also regularly refer to Jesse in Ruth's presence as, no. quote, the finest woman I ever met. Okay. <laughs> God. What the fuck, man? <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> He's not even trying. So, <laughs> not even close. So finally fed up with Albert's obsession with Jesse, Ruth struck up an affair with, what else, a traveling corset salesman. (laughs) No. (laughs) Named Henry Judd Gray, who went by Judd. 
Oh, this God. is your fantasy, Kenyon. <laughs> oh. He's striking up an affair with a traveling corset salesman. Mm. <laughs> Who looks like the actor, the Henry V. It really is. I just <laughs> licked my lips. Can you imagine that actor as a traveling corset salesman? Stop. Which actor? I missed it. What? The Timothy, king. Timothy, whatever. Henry V. Oh, Chalamet. Hi. Uh. Uh, Ruth and Jed would have regular trysts at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel in Manhattan. Hello. Fancy. I've stayed there. Oh, my. It's nice. Where they checked in under the pseudonyms Momsy and Bud. Yuck. Momsy fucking likey. (laughs) (laughs) Momsy fucking don't likey. No. No. I do not like Momsy (laughs) at all. Momsy soon grew tired of sneaking around and began hatching a plan to murder her husband. Oh, natural next step. Or just get a fucking divorce. Just get Mm -hmm. a divorce. Mm -hmm. Come on, people. The first step in Ruth's plan was to persuade Albert to purchase life insurance, which he did. Fucking idiot. Well, (laughs) off to a great start. (laughs) She then, with the help of a shady insurance agent who was later fired and sent to prison... Forged Albert's signature on an additional double indemnity policy, which would double the initial payout if the policyholder was killed in an unexpected accident or murdered. Mm. (laughs) This is a bad policy on the insurer's part. In the Honeymoon Crimes episode, my case had one of these. And that was pretty recent. I didn't know if they still existed. I, I think they do because the lady who... The, like the this duo that commit insurance fraud and murdered two people had one mm-hmm. of these in one of their con in one of their life insurance policies. There you go. Mm-hmm. Definitely not. Definitely would not recommend. No. Um. And in this case, uh, the total payout, if this double indemnity were to be valid, the payout would have been a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. That's this a is lot in of the nineteen twenties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. All that was left now was completing the final phase of her plan, actually killing old Albert, which she tried and failed to do seven times. Seven? (laughs) Seven. Seven. Like the number between six and eight. (laughs) Like the movie starring Brad Pitt and Gwyneth Paltrow's head in a box. What's in the box? Oh, my God. What's in the box? (laughs) Uh, So there are almost no details available about these failed attempts other than that they mostly involved (laughs) gas and poison. But, like, he should have caught on at some point and apparently did not. She should have tried the seven deadly sins ways of killing him. Right? It would have been more effective. Yeah. Well, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Try seven so, times. And again, Tries. and again, and again, and again, and again, and again. And again. <laughs> so finally, on the evening of March 20th, 1927, with the help of Judd, Ruth succeeded. She'd tried to enlist Judd's help from the beginning, but he'd been reluctant. So he like wanted Albert dead, but he didn't want to get his hands dirty. Yeah. Uh, but at some point, he must have gotten fed up with hearing about all her botched attempts. <laughs> 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 and decided to just get her done. <laughs> so 
All right. Their final successful attempt was a bit messy, to say the least. So it wasn't like she'd had all this time to plan and suddenly it like went perfectly. This is how she killed her husband. It's fucking gruesome. God. The couple stuffed chloroform-soaked rags up Albert's nose, bludgeoned him over the head with a sash weight from the window. Ooh. And then garroted him with a picture frame wire. Ah! Like choked and him? It w- like tied around his neck? Is yeah, like garroted is, garroted means you like, you like twist it Ugh. around the neck, basically. Oh um, so I thought it'd be great if they had used great, no, not the right word, if it would be interesting <laughs> if uh-huh. she had used the wire from the ex-fiance's photo. Oh, God. Um, And it's not specified in any of the articles, but we can speculate wildly that that is definitely what happened. Definitely. So the couple, Ruth and Judd, then set about staging the crime scene to look like a home invasion gone wrong. And the whole time, apparently, her daughter, Lorraine, uh, was asleep in her bedroom. Oh, that's fucked up. That is really fucked up. Judd left, and Ruth, playing the part of a bewildered and grieving wife, called the police and claimed that, quote, two giant Italians had just broken into her house. So, of course, there's, like, racism, just an old-timey version. Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God. Fucking old-timey two giant racism. Ad- Giant Italians had just broken into her house and knocked her unconscious. And then when she woke up, the Italians were gone and her husband was dead. Like way dead. Yeah. Overkill dead. Detectives arrived on the scene and noticed pretty much immediately that there was something fishy about this home invasion story, however. For one thing, there was no evidence of forcible entry into the home. So they hadn't Mm -hmm. figured that part out yet. Uh Ruth also had no visible wounds or bruises on her, despite insisting that she'd been hit on the head hard enough to be knocked unconscious. Okay. You gotta back up your story, babe. Yeah, come on, Ruth. The basics. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, They also noted that Ruth's behavior was inconsistent with that of a woman whose husband had just been brutally murdered. Instead of being distraught over his death, she was more focused on describing the jewelry that the thieves had made off with. Oh, honey, no. (laughs) Sounds like my grandmother. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a ring. Yep. (laughs) Mother of pearl. So many (laughs) bracelets. So many. All right. Charms. 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 Her story completely fell apart when the detectives found the jewelry that she was describing in such detail stuffed under her mattress. Okay, she's really fucking dumb. Oh, my God. I know. I know. Beyond (laughs) stupid. (laughs) You hit the nail on the head. (laughs) Yeah, you did. It's just like if you're if you're gonna go through with this, you gotta be willing to lose a little jewelry in the process. Yeah, you, you gotta do. commit. And also like hit yourself and in the head kind of hard. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And like it's fuck up hurt. your front door a little bit. Yeah. Like you gotta be willing to pay some some costs. Yeah. No pain, no gain, baby. Minimum. 
That is how to get away with murder tips from the Wedding Crime Gals. <laughs> yeah. So things unraveled even further when they discovered a piece of paper in Albert's belongings with the initials JG on it, which was another memento from his beloved Jesse Guichard. What uh, was it that John? Albert Damn had? It. Okay. No, he had Albert, the dead guy, had a note mm-hmm. from Jesse, mm-hmm. he, who he still carried a torch for, in his wallet. Right? Oh, okay. Well, I was thinking Judd, it could have been Judd's initials, too. I don't know. Mm. So the detectives asked Ruth if the initials meant anything to her because they didn't know that it was Jesse. And Ruth, clearly unable to keep her fucking shit together, responded wildly in the moment. What does Judd Gray have to do with this? No. <laughs> in fairness, and that's detectives. exactly what I just did. No, Ruth. No. <laughs> so detectives were like, how do you spell that? Judd with two Ds? Okay, oh, Gray. Oh, no. Gray. This is seriously spelling. like the lady who poisoned her husband. And was being mm-hmm. questioned by police and like the accidentally antifri- said Annie fr- instead of like Yeah, exactly. Cranberry. Well, the Annie freeze was <laughs> yeah. unable to keep her fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. Get your shit together, Ruth. Oh, she's bad at this. She's so really bad, bad at this. At this. <laughs> so the detectives who obviously already suspected Ruth after finding the stolen belongings in the house... <laughs> Decided they should probably now look into this Judd Gray fellow as well. (laughs) (laughs) She's just giving them a map. What does Judd (laughs) Gray have to do? (laughs) Well, what do you mean, Judd Gray killed my husband? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't kill him with a weight from a window sash or anything. Don't look at my window sashes. They're dusty. Uh, Okay, so they tracked Judd down in Syracuse, New York, the next day, where he claimed to have spent the previous night, but his alibi was quickly disproved when detectives discovered that Gray's friend had booked a hotel in his name the night before and that no one had actually seen Gray at that hotel. So he sucks Mm -hmm. at this, too. They yeah, all he, suck at this. They all suck at this. He tried. I feel like it's more than Ruth would have done. Oh, yeah. So confronted with this information, Judd Gray confessed easily and told detectives the whole fucking story. He <laughs> rolled over like a dog looking for pets. <laughs> He's a corset yeah. salesman. <laughs> yeah. What's he going to do? What's he going to do? <laughs> he was in a tight spot. He really played it close to the chest. Oh, God. He was down for a little ribbon. He didn't didn't waste any time. No. (laughs) I hate you both so much. It's like unbelievable. Ah, I got to catch my breath. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Judd was brought back to Queens and he and Ruth were both charged with murder. Their trials were a media sensation covered by the who's who of popular writers and journalists of the day. One of them, James M. Kane, 
John McCain, wrote a novella (laughs) based on the trial that would later be turned into the movie Double Indemnity. No! (laughs) The plot of which... (laughs) Amazing. The plot of which made the insurance scam seem much more clever than it had been in real life. I was going to say, I've seen (laughs) that movie. This is not how the movie goes. Yeah, both the insurance scam and the perpetrator seem much more Mm -hmm. clever. Another writer covering the trial named Damon Runyon nicknamed the case, quote, the dumbbell murder case because it was, (laughs) quote, just so dumb. I love that. So I think now you know what I Googled to find this case. It was just so dumb. Just so dumb. The level of media attention was a bit strange considering no one involved was famous or smart. Uh, But this era was the height of the New York tabloid press war, which we've talked about before, uh, in which like several equally trashy papers were competing for readers and like trying to outdo each other. And it was all like really salacious and amazing. Uh Um, The early days of podcasting. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) So this story was perfect. Ruth especially was a constant presence on the covers of tabloids, which bestowed several nicknames on her, including the synthetic blonde murderess. Although Ruth was actually a brunette, but a blonde villain sold more papers. So they just said she was blonde. Oh, Jesus. And vampire wife. Mm-hmm. Vampire wife. <laughs> <laughs> and also Ruthless Ruth, the Viking ice matron of Queen's Village. Okay, <laughs> oh. now we're talking. <laughs> and Viking ice matron is my next Halloween costume. Yeah, Viking that's ice. incredible. <laughs> it's so extra. <laughs> Further adding to the tabloid drama, Ruth and Judd turned on each other in court, each accusing the other of being, quote, the brains of the operation. Clearly there were no brains. (laughs) (laughs) Judd also gave several interviews to tabloids in which he described Ruth as a femme fatale who had seduced him into murdering Albert. He told one paper, quote, she would place her face an inch from mine and look deeply into my eyes until I was hers completely. While she hypnotized my mind with her eyes, she would gain control over my body, slapping mm. my cheeks with the palms of her hand. God. Okay. okay. Mm. That's a lot Which of information, cheeks. Judd. Thanks, I hate it. (laughs) The public followed the trial obsessively. 1,500 people reportedly packed the courtroom each day while up to 2,000 more waited for news outside. Get a Vendors (laughs) vendors even sold window sash weights, which is, you know, the murder (laughs) weapon, as souvenirs (laughs) for the trial goers. That's incredible marketing. It's just like nothing has really changed. No. Like literally nothing has changed. We've gotten dumber. It's been proven. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, both Ruth and Judd were convicted and sentenced to death. On January 12th, 1928, Ruth Snyder was executed by electric chair at Sing Sing Prison in New York. Yikes. Followed a few minutes later by Henry Judd Gray. So I found it interesting that they were executed on the same day, but I guess that's how it used to be done. Mm-hmm. Gotta get those headlines. A New York Daily 
Right? It could have been tied to the press deadline, honestly. (laughs) Speaking of press, go on the drive. These will be on the blog. There are photos. Lots of photos of the newspapers and of Ruth. One of them, she looks cute. One of them, she looks road hard, put away wet. Oh. Oh, poor thing. Yeah. A New York Daily News photographer took a picture of Ruth being executed. No. Which is... No. Naked. And that was on the front of front page of papers. That's Ew, yucky. It's on the it's on here. It is on there. <sighs> um using an elaborately designed camera that he had smuggled into the prison by strapping it to his ankle. Damn. People were like that rabid for photos of this case. Wow. He's basically Julian Assange. He's WikiLeaks. <laughs> The camera uh, had a wire running up his leg to a shutter release button hidden in his jacket, and he lifted his pant leg and pressed the button, capturing the moment the electricity was coursing through Ruth's body. And this is the the first ever photo of a woman being executed by electric chair. Oh, good Lord. I mean, that's not surprising because it's so grotesque. It's awful. The gruesome photograph ran on the front page of the paper the next morning under the simple headline, dead, exclamation point. Jesus. I see it. Yeah, so I have this on the drive for you two to look at. We're not going to put this photo on the blog. I don't like it. If you need to see it, you can can Google it, but it's a little bit It's pretty creepy. It's a little much. Yeah, it's a lot. The New York Daily News sold out 15 minutes after it hit newsstands that morning. Good word. Wow. So h- humans have always been into this Into stuff. the macabre. Oh, yeah. I would have mm-hmm. bought a copy. Are you kidding me? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I would have bought a window sash weight. Yeah. I, I would have bought a window sash weight. Uh, the old windows in my kitchen currently have sash weights on them. Oh, Mm -hmm. my goodness. I don't even fully know what that is. Um, I'll send you a picture. Because of the intense public attention on Ruth, her family had her buried with a headstone that used neither her first nor her last name. So basically like a pseudonym. She is interred at Woodlawn Cemetery in the Bronx as simply May R. Oh. Well, now we've told everyone. May R. Woodlawn Cemetery in the Bronx. The the May R of Woodlawn Cemetery. She'll never be May R. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Not not after this. Yeah, so that is the dumbbell murder. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you. That's too bad. Uh, Pretty dumb. I love those idiots. (laughs) And now a word from our sponsor. The holidays mean celebrations with friends, company parties, family gatherings, or just like having to walk your dog extra because she got into the turkey again. (laughs) So why not look stylish and feel comfortable all season long? Rothy's is the company making beautiful shoes out of plastic water bottles, and they are crazy comfortable and fully machine washable too. Ours are currently in the washing machine right now as we speak. You might be able to hear it. You might be able to literally hear it. (laughs) Rothy's has quickly grown to be a most loved gotta have them brand. That is so for real. We have so many styles. And it's no surprise that they have over 1,000 nearly perfect reviews. Karen, I'm looking at you for that four star out of five, rude. (laughs) 
They're stylish, sustainable, comfortable, washable. Really, they are the all-in-one pair of shoes. They're perfect flats for the hustle and bustle of the holiday season or any season. I wear my Rothy's almost every single day. The other day I was visiting my family for Thanksgiving and we went out for breakfast after Thanksgiving and without even noticing, my mother, my sister, and myself were all wearing our Rothy's. It was like... (laughs) We just, these are our shoes now. These are our everyday shoes. Oh, yeah. And with all, like, the traveling during the holidays, oh. they're an ideal travel airport airplane Oh, my God. Shoe. They are the best shoe for getting through the TSA. They mm-hmm. slip on and off so fast. They're so comfortable. They're so great on long flights. They're so good. And you know what else will get you on the good side of any of your family or friends? Oh. Uh, Rothy's because they make a great gift for your best friends and family. They Mm -hmm. will thank you with every step. Trust. Rothy's are perfect for the person in your life who is always on the go and loves a good balance of fashion and function. Not to mention, they're sustainable. Again, Mm -hmm. the recycled plastic water bottles. It doesn't sound like it'd be comfortable, but it is. Yeah. They are so soft from the moment you put them on. Yeah, no break-in period. It's incredible. So check out all the amazing styles available right now at rothys.com forward slash gals. Go to rothys.com. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash gals, G-A-L-S, to get your new favorite flats in time for the holidays or gift them to a friend mm. like me. Here's my address. Just <laughs> And my social security number. <laughs> Comfort, style, and sustainability. These are the shoes that you've been waiting for. Head to rothys.com slash gals today. Treat your feet. Trade them. With HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit, get easy seasonal recipes and pre-measured ingredients delivered right to your door. No pants required. All you have to do is cook and enjoy. Mm. So say goodbye to endless grocery store trips and takeout food. Thank you, because HelloFresh makes home-cooked meals simple. They got you covered. Mm -hmm. And I love that HelloFresh helps you break out of your dinner rut. They have 20-plus seasonal chef-curated recipes each week. That is just... There's something for everyone. It's amazing. It's incredible. And we travel a lot. Mm -hmm. We have been traveling so much this year, and HelloFresh is super flexible. They make it fit with your lifestyle. So you can easily change your delivery days. You can change your food preferences. Maybe you're, like, trying something new. Maybe you're trying to reduce how much red meat you eat, and you want to switch it up and get a different plan. You can do that. You can also skip a week whenever you need. That is great for me because oftentimes I'll be gone for a week. The last thing I want to do when I get home is go grocery shopping and I can just have my HelloFresh delivered and I have fresh, amazing meals ready to rock and roll in my kitchen. I just recently made the chicken sausage and spinach ravioli. Hello. I love that one. It's also from their like 20 minute meals selection. So all the meals will come with their little cute photo card to walk you through it. And then it also gives you like an estimated time from the minute you start to the minute you're putting it in your mouth. And wine pairings, hi. It's the best. Who doesn't want a fresh home-cooked meal in 20 minutes? That recipe was amazing, but that's no surprise because HelloFresh has more five-star recipes than any other meal kit, so you know you're going to get something absolutely incredible. And for a limited time only, you can get nine free meals with HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com forward slash gals9 and enter gals9. One more time, that's for a limited time only. Get nine free meals with HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com forward slash Gals9 and enter Gals9. Treat your cooking. Treat it. 
you spend one third of your life in sheets, or if you're me, one half, two thirds (laughs) of your life in sheets. So don't you want them to be insanely comfortable? I know I do. Oh, yeah. And that's why I love my Brooklinen sheets. I had no idea. I can't. How comfortable luxury bedding could be. I can't go back. I'll never go back. Mm -mm. Like, if you don't have luxury bedding, you don't know what you're I literally (laughs) had to clean my Brooklyn and sheets and put on, like, a pair of those T-shirt sheets for, like, one night. It was, like, sleeping on fiery hay. It was terrible. (laughs) Well, nobody wants that. No. Um, And Brooklinen was the first DTC, that's a direct-to-consumer bedding company, meaning that they work directly with manufacturers and directly with customers. There are no middle people. Mm. This is just a great product and service. You got a great price. You have an amazing product. Their customer service is unbeatable. Mm -hmm. And I love that they also offer... Like bathroom towels, shower curtains. Mm. They've even recently launched some ultra soft loungewear. Oh, yeah. Okay. Hi. I know what I'm asking for for Christmas for sure. So, if you like softness, comfort, essentials to help you relax, Brooklinen has it all. Brooklinen.com is having their biggest sale ever, and it's happening right now for Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Brooklinen is so confident in their product that all their sheets, comfort, comforters, and towels come with a lifetime warranty. The only way to get access to their biggest event ever and free shipping is to go to brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com before December 3rd. And if you're just hearing this and it's post Black Friday slash Cyber Monday, you can still use the promo code gals at brooklinen.com for 10% off and free shipping anytime. Brooklinen, it's everything you need to live your most comfortable life. Mm, Treat your sheets. Treat them. Okay, so I am so glad that the anonymous fan suggester also suggested this case because it is truly bonkers and I am obsessed with it. So... Today, we're talking about Mary Toft, who was born in 1701, only a few years before my grandma. LOL, chicken. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the year of the root beer. Yeah. <laughs> my grandmother's younger cousin. <laughs> yeah. In Godalming, Surrey, England. And you know <gasps> what that means. Yes. <laughs> it's time for some geography. Yes. Godalming is north of Diddling. <laughs> South of Swan Bottom. Ooh, south of Swan Bottom. East of Nunny Ketch. Oh. <laughs> little hot little callback to nun crimes. And uh-huh. west of Nutley. Nice. <laughs> I like diddling. Oh, I like diddling, diddling is too. my and favorite. Swan Bottom. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We so gotta go to diddling. Yeah. So let's remember that this was the 1700s and it probably wasn't that hard to get away with hoaxes, even truly ridiculous ones like this one. And like the thing that makes this case so perfect for this episode is how dumb people had to be to fucking believe this nonsense. So I can't wait. Mary in 1726, for whatever reason, probably because she was bored out of her gourd because it was fucking 1726, Mm -hmm. tricked doctors... Yes, medical doctors into believing that she had given birth to, drumroll please, rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> just, just for funsies. 
Yeah, rabbits and other miscellaneous animal parts. We'll of get course. to it. Of course. The fuck? It's so fucking gross. So as the story goes, Mary got for real pregnant in 1726, but miscarried uh, allegedly after seeing a rabbit like out while she was farming or some shit. That'll do it. Yep. No questions here. Done. In the process of the miscarriage, she gave birth to what she claimed were animal parts. She called on a local surgeon named John Howard to come to her home and check out what the fuck was going on and why she was literally birthing animal parts. John and we and it, it wasn't like it wasn't like part of the miscarriage. I mean, possibly, but this was just this is how the hoax started. Okay. So the doctor, John Howard, claimed to have delivered animal parts during his examination of her, and this is when the story started to pick up in the press, and soon all of England was just in a tizzy over the lady who was giving birth to rabbits. So mm-hmm. this is an excerpt from the Mists Weekly Journal in November of 1726, which reads, From Guildford comes a strange but well-attested piece of news <laughs> that a poor woman who lives at Godalming near that town was about a month past delivered by Mr. John Howard, an eminent surgeon and man-midwife of a <laughs> creature resembling a rabbit but whose heart and lungs grew outside its belly. About 14 <laughs> days since she was delivered by the same person, a perfect rabbit, and in a few <laughs> days after a four more on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the 4th, 5th, and 6th instant, of one in each day, in all nine, they died all in bringing into the world. The woman hath made oath that two months ago, being working in a field with other women, they put up a rabbit who running from them, they pursued it, but to no purpose. This created in her such a longing to it that she, being with child, was taken ill and miscarried. (laughs) And from that time, she hath not been able to avoid thinking of rabbits. People, after all, differ much in their opinion about this matter, some looking upon them as great curiosities fit to be presented to the Royal Society, etc. Others are angry at the account and say that if it be a fact, a veil should be drawn over it as an imperfection in human nature. Yeah, we're not going to brush this under the rug if she's giving birth to actual rabbits. Oh, and the crown did not brush this under the rug. I just want to unpack this a little bit more. I'm so sorry. I'm so into this. So, okay. So, 14 days after she had... An actual miscarriage, which is tragic. We are not making fun of miscarriage. It happens to a lot of people. We're making fun of a woman who said that she gave birth to rabbits. Mm -hmm. Because she saw a rabbit once and And became obsessed with rabbits. And honestly, we're not even really making fun of her because as the story unfolds, you'll see why. It's more about these fucking asshole doctors. But continue. But so the doctor claimed that he actively delivered from her body Mm -hmm. rabbits? Yes, he did. Yes, nine, apparently, although they list four days. So she... Three days, nine rabbits. This continues to happen. So, like, she keeps, quote-unquote, birthing rabbits over the course of, like, almost a month, and we'll get to it. God. Got it. It's cuckoo bonanzas. So during the time that Dr. John Howard was treating Mary, he claimed to have, quote, delivered three legs of a cat of a tabby color (laughs) and one leg of a rabbit. The guts were as a cat's and in them were three pieces of the backbone of an eel. Oh, okay. The cat's feet supposed were formed in her imagination from a cat she was fond of that slept on the bed at night. Well, Lucy, you know your future. Yep. 
I don't want to birth pieces of a cat. You really don't. <laughs> Are you sure? Uh, we're I sure. Prefer not I think you'd to. be pretty psyched. Oh uh, no! It, mm, I, actually, she's no. not wrong. <laughs> in a letter to the king's court, who had, for obvious fucking reasons, taken interest in this bizarre case, this doctor John wrote what follows: "Quote, sir, all in caps." <laughs> <laughs> Since I wrote to you, I have taken or delivered the poor woman of three more rabbits, all three half-grown, one of them a dun rabbit. The last leapt 23 hours in the uterus before it died. As soon as the 11th rabbit was taken away, up leapt the 12th rabbit, which is now leaping. If you have any curious person that is pleased to come post, may see another leap in her uterus and shall take it from her if he pleases, which will be a great satisfaction to the curious. If she had been with child, she has but 10 days more to go, so I do not know how many rabbits may be behind. I have brought the woman <laughs> to Guildford for better convenience. I am, sir, your humble servant, John Howard. All right. Well, John, clearly Is no further questions it? here. Yeah. <laughs> when he says leaping, does that mean they're alive? Yep, they're alive. So she's delivered live rabbits. According to some, him, yes. Some live. Some, most dead. Some dead, yeah. Jesus. But they were leaping in utero. Her uterus, so. yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very so uncomfortable. Fun. Obviously, the king and the king's court is like, I don't know about this. So they sent surgeons to the crown. Uh, One is Nathaniel St. Andre and the other is Samuel Molyneux to dig deeper into this weird fucking shit. So the story had been circulating for weeks now. And John Howard had claimed on several separate occasions on different dates that he delivered rabbits or parts of rabbits or other animal parts from Mary. So these two dudes show up yet more weeks later, and now they are claiming to have delivered rabbits from Mary Toft. Like, oh my God. So many questions. I don't know how on earth she's still birthing all these rabbits over the course of like a fucking month, but according to. Sounds awful. But according to. She's probably just trying to get out of sex. Uh, honestly, <laughs> there are theories. That. Be like, oh, so I feel another one coming. Oh, Sorry, honey. I can't. I can't. It's, it's really leaping. Yeah. Yeah. But according to St. Andre, he delivered the torso of a rabbit within hours of arriving at Mary Toff's home. King George was still like, nah, there's no fucking way. So he sends another surgeon, Syriacus Ayers. Nailed it. For now, <laughs> sounds a like fourth, a condition. I yeah. know. I have a bad case of Syriacus. Um, for now, a fourth fucking opinion. So Ayers was super skeptical of this whole thing. Duh. And the first thing he noticed when he examined Mary was that she had no signs of pregnancy. So that doesn't mean that she had never been pregnant, but that mm-hmm. currently she that she was definitely not pregnant. With any mm-hmm. species. With anything. Human mm-hmm. or eel. rabbit or eel. eel. <laughs> Tabby cat. Yeah. Like. He also noticed that both Mary and Dr. John Howard were acting soups suspicious. Mary Were they looks, hiding rabbit torsos in her I skirts? Mean, l- literally the next sentence. Mary looked like she was holding her knees together to keep <gasps> something secured between her legs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And John flat out refused to let anyone else help him to deliver the rabbits. Uh-huh. So not looking mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. But being clever and not wanting to scare them off, Ayers played along and simply asked to take some of the already delivered rabbits back to London to examine at their hospital. Mm-hmm. He did and found that the rabbits had obviously been butchered with a knife and that they had clearly been living outside of this woman 
because they had like hay and grain in their shit. Uh-huh. So these were not rabbits that were being formed in utero. Right. I love that he even took the time to examine their shit. Well, um, otherwise the story is just going to keep like gaining right. stupid momentum. Yeah. Somebody had to be scientific That's here. Science, yeah. So after this discovery, this obvious fucking discovery, the king demanded that one of the other surgeons that he had sent, uh, Nathaniel St. Andre, to go get Mary Toft and bring her to London because the king was like, okay, St. Andre, like you fucked up. Mm -hmm. Someone obviously smart is calling this all out. So like you got to go get her ass and bring her to London. So an article written by political writer John Harvey was published and I will read an excerpt for you now as it is incredible and sad. Quote, Every creature in town, both men and women, have been to see and feel her. The no. Per- uh, bleh, the perpetual Everybody emotions, ride her just like a bus route. Exactly. The perpetual emotions, noises, and rumblings in her belly are something prodigious. Yes. All the eminent physicians, surgeons, and man midwives in London are there day and night to watch her next production. <laughs> and all the female midwives are like, yeah, I'm not getting out of bed for this mm, bullshit. Nope, this is insane. <laughs> so Mary Toft was kept under strict and vigilant supervision while the hospital, while in the hospital in London. She allegedly went into labor several times during her stay, but the labors never produced a single rabbit or anything at all for that matter. By now, it was early December and the jig was fucking up, mm. but not because Mary had gotten tired of pretending and come forward. But what really caught her in a lie was the fact that an investigation had started that was looking into not only Mary, but her husband, Joshua Toft. This investigation mm. revealed that Joshua had been buying a shit ton of rabbits over the last <laughs> month. <laughs> like, even for their family, they had three kids together. It was still <laughs> a fucking lot of rabbits that he was buying. Amazing. Yep. This evidence, though, by today's standards would likely be considered circumstantial because, like, lawyers are good at mm-hmm. pointing that shit out. But at this time was enough to make an arrest, and Dr. John Howard was also detained and questioned. And during his questioning, he confessed that Mary's sister-in-law, Margaret, had bribed him to sneak a rabbit into Mary's room and corroborate the hoax. Oh. Why? What I mean, were they getting out of this? That's a good question, and we'll sort of get to it, but there's no satisfying ending to this story, fair warning. That original Amazing. doctor should be prosecuted, too. Absolutely. That, that, yeah, For isn't playing that Dr. Into John it. Howard? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the doctor. Obviously, Mary and Margaret denied this and said they just had the rabbits for eating, but that did not add mm-hmm. up. Mary held out for several days of questioning, and it wasn't until another doctor who had examined her used a little trick of his own to get her to change her tune. He basically pretended to believe her after examining her and said he believed that there was still some tissue that she had not birthed that would be a great risk to her life. He said he recommended a surgery to get the tissue out, but expressed to Mary how incredibly painful the surgery would be, but that it was the only way to make sure she was rid of all of the animal parts that she had grown in her womb. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Obviously terrified of a painful surgery, she finally confessed to the whole thing and uh, confessed that it was an elaborate hoax. Oh my god, <laughs> smart and, and elaborate is not even close to expressing how bonkers this is. Because listen to what this bitch went through to carry this shit out. So she had gotten for real pregnant and miscarried in late October, early November of 1726. 
right after the miscarriage, which is physically painful and awful enough. Yeah. While her cervix. Yes. While her cervix was still dilated, an accomplice, and we don't know who this is, but my money's on Margaret, who seems like as fucking crazy as a shithouse rat, but that's just me, (laughs) had inserted into her womb the claws and body of a cat and the head of a rabbit. Why? Yeah. I don't know. The claws and body? Uh, Yep, of a cat and the head of a rabbit. Um, The doctor, Nathaniel St. Andre, went down in history as basically a disgraced moron who embarrassed the king forever for believing any of this hoax. But he wasn't... All of those doctors. Yeah, there were like three. John was in on it. So he was just known as like some asshole who wanted some money. He's just a liar. But those two other ones. Well, St. Andre was... St. Andre was a surgeon and the other guy was apparently not a doctor. He was just like a member of the King's court who was there. So they don't really put a whole lot on that guy because he was not mm. a medical professional. Gotcha. And then the fourth opinion that was sent there was the Caught medical it. professional who was like, no, any fucking doctor with half a brain could mm-hmm. see that this was a total fucking hoax. So, yeah, um, but he wasn't the only one who was tarnished because of Mary's crimes. Mary herself was charged with being, quote, a notorious and vile cheat (laughs) (laughs) and spent four months in Bridewell prison. During that time, crowds would gather to heckle her because she had a front facing cell that could be seen easily by the passing public. Oh, yikes. (laughs) Not a good situation. Not good. She lived to be 60 years old, which in the 1700s, hi. Pretty fucking good. Um, Trying to just go back to a normal life and like be chill, but the stain of the rabbit hoax followed her, clearly even after death, because we're talking about it right now. Um, But when she died, the church bulletin noted her as, quote, Mary Toft, widow, the impostress rabbit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Obviously, the big question that we keep coming back to, but really have not answered is like why the fuck mary would you do this (laughs) also why the fuck margaret i'll have it known that if either of you ever gives birth i promise (sighs) not to insert a weird stapled together cat rabbit into your dilated cervix a smattering of dead animal parts yeah I yeah. really appreciate that. That's very yeah. kind of you. A true um, promise from me to you. <laughs> I mean, the honest answer to this question is like, there's legit no way to know. Um, Atlas Obscura summed it up nicely by saying, quote, it's impossible to say why Toft executed this dangerous, strange ruse, but historian Karen Harvey doesn't believe Toft to have been primarily responsible. She was a young, extremely poor woman from a small town who was taken to London all the time, escorted and watched by titled landed aristocratic men. Harvey says, I think she was just playing a lot, playing the lead role in a performance orchestrated by other people in her confessions. Toft repeatedly blamed other people, her husband, her mother-in-law, even the wife of a local organ grinder. Organ <laughs> so grinder. Like, who knows? Obviously it's the 1720s. It's everyone's bored. Everyone's fucking poor. And so yeah. putting together this elaborate hoax, hoax could be a source of income. And it also, it could be kind of an expression of her grief after the miscarriage, too. I mean, grief makes people do bizarre things, so. Yeah. Yeah, if that's the case, then that is is very, very sad. But since so many other people were involved, I lean more towards it was some weird hoax for 
attention yeah. and fame and uh, fame and possibly money. That's kind. Mm-hmm. That's the only yeah. thing that makes sense to me. It could have mm-hmm. been a lot of things. It could have been a lot of things. There's there's literally no way to know. I was uh-huh. looking this up. I literally Googled, like, why did Mary Toft <laughs> shove rabbits why? in her pussies? <laughs> and did not get good results. And then changed oh. my Google search and got the Alice yeah. Obscura article. <laughs> I just like oh that organ goodness. grinder is an occupation. Yes, I know. The good old <laughs> and days. And also am I just right? thrown under the bus. The good yep. old days. So that's Mary Toft, the rabbit mother. The imposterous rabbit. Imposterous rabbit. <laughs> oh, well done. Yeah. And thank you to that anonymous fan for sending yes. us that case. Yeah. Truly. Nice work. All right. Special thanks this week also to Alessia Locasho. Mm. Uh, thank you for your Casho, yeah. Alessia. We appreciate it. <laughs> monkey-o. Oh. Oh, monkey Thank you, Allie Scott. We're getting off scot-free on our mm. taxes this year because of mm. your... No. <laughs> That's nope, not true nope, at all. That's not Definitely real. Not. That's absolutely Thanks, not, not true. <laughs> <laughs> that's super not real. Um, thank you, Samantha. I'm doing the math, Samantha, and you are sending us five dollars a month, and we appreciate You're it. You're a doll. Yeah. You're, You're an American you. girl doll. <laughs> thank you, Brandy Street. You were on Easy Street with your donation. Thank you. Thank you. Also, Jesse McFarland, uh, you're a, th- a family guy with... Oh, no. <laughs> I know nothing about that show. Seth yep. McFarland. Thank Thanks, you, Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you, Samantha Scott. Great Scott. We are so <laughs> gracious for uh, your donation. Scott's tots. Scott's tots. <laughs> <laughs> thank you to Bonnie Wrench. Mm. And thank you also for that pronunciation guide because I would have not gone in that direction at all. Mm-mm. For real. Um, Righty tighty. So you, <laughs> you are a lovely wench, Bonnie oh, Wrench. Oh, wow. Or neither or neither or both. Thank you, Leah Humes. I'm fuming with gratitude for your donation. <laughs> Nailed it. It's very humbling. Uh, thank you, humbling. Nancy Jennings. Nancy, you fancy, Nancy. Thanks oh. for your donation. We'll follow you like lemmings. Mm. Thank you to Cindy, no last name, because who fucking needs it? Uh, Nailed it. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Mariana Montre. <sighs> Your donation is mental. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> love that. Um, thank you to Taylor Frontiera. You're mm. like taking a fresh sip of tea and saying, ah, and then breathing <laughs> the fresh air. <laughs> I got that. Tierra, love it, love it. Thank you, Zia Tyree. We never grow tiry of your amazing Thank you. donations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to Morgan Crosby. We're the Stills Nash and Young to you or to you. Thank you. Got it. 
Thank you, Tiffany Becker. And I said, what about thanking Ms. Tiffany or Mr. <laughs> neither, neither, or both? Thank you so much. Becker at Tiffany's. Um, thank you, <laughs> Jessica Batinger. Uh, we fell for the bait, Jessica. The old bait and switch. The old Batinger. <laughs> thank you, Hannah Bartakova, maybe Hana. Barta, you've um. <laughs> yep. Barter, you've bartered, you've bartered your way from two to five dollars a month, and we appreciate the increase in your donation. <laughs> Loving <Nailed> it. it. <laughs> uh, thank you to Amelia Quimby. You're making me. Quiver, Amelia Quimby. Quimber. Thank you, Quimber. Thank you for increasing your donation as well. Shiver me, Quimbers. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to Paige Weiner. Weiner, our love for you will never wane. Or wine. <laughs> or wine. I want Amazing. wine for your increase. I got nothing. Keep going. Thank you, <laughs> Kyle. Mm. You're leaving me with almost nothing here, Kyle. <laughs> yep. I like your style, <laughs> Kyle. Kyle. <laughs> Nailed it. So good. Uh, oh, my God. Gail Letourneau. Yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> Letourneau. Uh, I'm not going to take the low-hanging fruit, but uh, I'm going to Letourne around every now and then. I get a little mm. bit lonely and you never come around. <laughs> Thank you so much. And you're lucky it's spelled differently. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you, Lauren Vicknair. Well, you are kicking off our $10 a month tier, and you're going to be getting a fucking patriarchy wine glass in the mail, and it's a little bit flexible, but the best part about it is that you can drop it on the ground, and it'll just bounce, and it won't break. It's awesome. Classic. <laughs> Good God. All right. <laughs> Alexandra Moore wants to shout out their brother, and this is in all caps, Lucas Diego! <laughs> Holy shit. Dinner's uh, ready. <laughs> Lucas. Alexandra, we want more of you. So thank you. And thank you, Lucas, mm-hmm. too. Uh, and Alyssa Cost is also going to be getting a fucking patriarchy wine glass because that is a small cost to pay. And thanks for your generosity. <laughs> mm-hmm. And thank you to Casey Roach. We're crawling on our knees for you, Casey. And uh, they want to shout out their big sister, Megan, saying, quote, she's the bee's knees. Sorry for leaving you in Wisconsin for Washington State. And Megan, we are very sorry you are in Wisconsin right now. Yeah, that's too bad. Uh, Thank you, Wendy M. Zabalos. Zabayos. Uh, Wendy, you're making me want an old-fashioned hamburger. Oh, I can wash wash it down with some mm-hmm. Pepsi from your fucking patriarchy wine glass. Mm-hmm. Akila Nongdepal, I have a kilogram of gratitude for you, your <laughs> donation. <laughs> Thank you to Steph Willard. Willard be mine, Steph. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, Taylor Hall. That sounds like a dormitory on a college campus. You're yeah, smart, does. Taylor Hall. Thank you I for I want to sneak booze into you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. With your oh, consent. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Jeanette 
Daeschler. Daeschler, hardly know her. Thanks so much, Jeanette. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> had to. Had to. Uh, and, and increasing their pledge is Cat Duncombe. Mm. And, uh... Um, I'm going to dunk on you, Cat Duncombe. Yeah, oh. That's a lot of yeah. Duncombe donuts. A yes. lot of cat part. May you never give birth to cats. Oh, <laughs> Lord, yeah, parts. honestly. Cat uh, parts. Thank you, Elena Lathrum, kicking off our Trash Queen level at 15 bucks a month. Elena, you've la- lathed us in your dust with your incredible mm. donation. <laughs> You'll be getting a piece of trash, speaking of dust, pretty soon. Oh, dear. Uh, thank you, Amanda Rife. I've got no strife knowing we have Amanda mm. Rife on our side. Keep an eye out for and that trash. Also getting some dusty, dusty trash is Jana Hoke, or possibly Yana Hoke. Or Jana. Or Jana. This is <laughs> like not a... Most, or the most common way to pronounce that, Jana. Yana. I don't know. <laughs> Yana. Yana. Thank you. This is not a hoax mm. like the rabbit woman of Godalming. Yeah. Seriously. Thank you, Sabrina Vasquez. You may be a teenage witch. Not a witch. Yes. You do you. I don't know. Thank you so much. I want to watch that. <laughs> Thank you, Whitney Burden. You are not a burden on us, Whitney Burden. Mm-mm. Thank you for your donation. Mm-hmm. Thank you for increasing your pledge to the Trash Queen or King or Neither or Both level. Elizabeth Richard, also known as Lizzie Dick. Probably <laughs> not, but I'm saying it right now. Oh, Thank you. That caught me off guard. <laughs> oh, I got this person the first time around and pronounced their name Anatomic, but it's probably just Anatomic, who increased their pledge from oh, 5 to 25 like bucks a month. <laughs> Get at us with I your was like, uh, case I pick. did not I put like, that together at all. I was all. like, oh, it's might be it's it might be Anatomic. Yeah. I think it's Anatomic. Polish. And I was yeah, slow I on the right. take the first time around, so I really nailed it this time. <laughs> yeah, you did. You did. Um, and if you are like all of my exes and are afraid of commitment, you can make a once-off donation via our online store, wineandcrimepodcast.bigcartel.com, like January May Rowan did. And mm. January says that they love it when we say, Louisiana, Louisiana, <laughs> so January, <laughs> we're going to meet you down in Louisiana, Louisiana nausea peels. <laughs> Louisiana nausea peels. <laughs> home is where the crawfish bowl is. Oh, All home right. is where the crawfish daddy be boiling over in the crawfish bowl <laughs> with a hot bowl of butter. Hotter than a bowl of molasses. <laughs> hotter than a crawfish bowl in July. Oh, hotter than a crawfish bowl on the 4th of July. We are so close to being done. Let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it my turn? Yes. Yeah. Linda, <laughs> once off donor Linda Miller wants to shout out their gateway gal, Trisha Sanders. Mm. You are the Sanderson sisters, you two. Thank you so much for your donation. Got it. Last but not least, we got Rachel Hanshaw with a $25 Mm. once-off donation. I'd like to shake your hand. Yes. Handshake. (laughs) I like, I like your so handsome. <laughs> so handsome. We did it. We did it. Thank you. See you next week. 
We love you all. Love you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kali Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your podcasts. Most importantly, if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It really is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support and get a shout-out on air, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers! In a world of what are yous, welcome to the place where the answer is always human. My name is Natalie, and I'm the host of Some Kind of Brown. I was born and bred in the Southern Bible Belt of the U.S., and if you know anything about the South, growing up multiracial was some kind of an experience. Join me in this community where I share my stories, am joined by guests who share their own, and talk about pop culture events that affect us as mixed people. You can find Some Kind of Brown on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and most places you find podcasts. I'll see you there with some more Shades of Brown. Is that an ice cream truck? <laughs>